This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Isn't that an amazing story? Amen? I want to thank Dave and Kelly for, for being so vulnerable and sharing with us because I think that uh, building off of what we talked about last week, I think that it's really important for us to understand the value of us being real, the value of us being transparent, the value of us truly opening up to help one another because everyone has a story. Regardless of where you see them in life now, regardless of how you may perceive their situation, everyone has a story. Everyone has a, a, a moment where God has really just touched them or done something in their lives. It's a testimony. And I believe that those things are not just for us. Wouldn't you agree? That those things are not just for us internally, but it's for us to share to others, to inspire others, to help encourage one another. Because the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And the things that God has shown us and led us through and led us in, God can use those experiences through His Word to help lead others as well. So we're going to talk for just a moment today about a grace-filled marriage. If you want to take notes, you can write that down. And I realize that everyone in the room is not married, um, but I do know that this message is going to be applicable regardless of what season of life you may find yourself in, because as we see the image and the purpose and the model of what marriage is, we can see the work of God, we can see the grace of God, we can see His hand at work, we can see how we are not only to receive, but also to give grace and love. And you know, God gives us grace along the way to adjust what we originally thought that would be, or what would happen, or what should happen, because oftentimes when you enter into any new thing, whether it's a job, whether it's a marriage, whether uh, it's a new home, whether it's being a parent, regardless of what the situation is, you have certain perceptions and expectations that you step into the thing with, and then those perceptions and expectations, some of them get met, and some of them turn into disappointments or frustrations because you realize, this wasn't what I signed up for, you know? Uh, I remember that I had this imagine, uh, imagination of, of, of thinking, when I become a parent, this is how it's going to feel when I become a parent. This is how it's going to feel to be a parent. And I almost had the emotion preconceived in my mind of when I knew my wife was expecting. And then when she had our son, the feeling was completely different than what I had thought. It was something better. It was something more amazing than what I had thought. But it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I think that sometimes we get into situations in life, especially in marriage, where we step into those uh, relationships and this is the one, this is the person, and you have all of these ideas of what it's going to be. And then when reality hits, you go, oh, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be, whether it's better or worse. That's why I think those vows are so important, for better or worse. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. Amen? Because sometimes it's worse. Not every day is a holiday. I'm just being real with you. Every day is not a holiday. Every day is not perfect. Every day is not just this wonderful dream romance. So what do we do in those times? How do we function? How do we handle? How do we keep moving forward when we're in the pressure cooker of life? Do we give up? Do we quit? Or do we readjust 
and move forward? Do we realize that this is part of my journey and I need to learn how to move forward with where I'm at? Talked to a, a guy a few days ago who has been married for 30 plus years and he told me that when he got married that he and his wife had all these dreams, all these plans, all the things that they wanted to do, like many young couples. He said, and then all of a sudden tragedy began to strike in different areas of their life and things that they were just going to have to live with, things that altered their relationship, things that changed the things that they could do or the places they could go. And so he said, I could have either chose to have gotten mad at God, chose to have gotten mad at my spouse or other people or the situation, or we could still learn how to have a fruitful marriage and move forward regardless of the challenges that we had to face throughout this life. He said, and we have a wonderful relationship, we have a wonderful marriage. He said, it's not easy. He said, because we have a lot of challenges because of the things that happened early on in their relationship. He said, but at the same time, we have learned to adjust with where we're at to still have a fruitful and fulfilling relationship. And so as I think about how we need to be willing to readjust and move forward, regardless of whether things happen the way we want them to or not, I think that's the way that God wants us to move forward, is in His grace. You see, I think that His grace helps us to love one another instead of for who we would rather that person be or who we think they should be, love them where they're at. Because isn't that how He loved us? And so with that being said, I think that really strong marriages equal a strong giving of grace, (laughs) a strong understanding of grace. I think that those things go hand in hand and side by side, because what really is grace? Grace is not something I earned. Grace is not something that I deserved. Grace is not something that I uh, want everything to work out my way, and I think everything should be catered to me. Everything should just go exactly how I have according to plan. No, grace is me going, you know what, I'm going to love you right where you're at, regardless of how you may treat me, regardless of what you may say to me, regardless of the struggles that I may face, I'm still going to love you right where you're at. Aren't we thankful for a God who loves us right where we're at? I'm thankful that God loves us right where we're at because some of us, I mean, come on. I mean, we have been in places where we have lived our lives completely rebellious towards the love and the mercy and truth of God, but He still, in His love and mercy and His grace, still chooses to love us first. Amen? Amen. Not when we were perfect, not when we got everything figured out, but right where we are at. In the book of James, he begins to tell us about how you and I are called to be stewards of the grace that God has given to us. And we talk about that a lot here at Word of Grace, that we are called to be stewards of that grace. And I think that marriage is one of the greatest places that you and I can actually practice putting this distribution of grace and stewarding of grace into action because grace is given and it's received. And I don't know about you, but I often feel in my marriage that it's given to me over and over and over again. And then just when I think that I've really said or done something stupid that is really just going to disappoint or hurt my wife, there's still grace there yet again. And I thank God for her because there have been things that I have said and done that I go, oh man, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why was I such a bear in that situation? Why was I so hard-headed in that situation? Why didn't I do this or do that? Oh, I, I feel so bad. But yet she still gives me grace in the middle of those situations. And I thank God for that. Because grace is me getting what I did not earn 
what I did not deserve. Let's look to the Word of God this morning in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read in verse 4. Ephesians 2 and verse 4. Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, he tells them this. He said, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I think that this first statement here, when we read in verse 4, he said, God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Even when we failed. Even when we didn't meet the standard. Even when we didn't meet the criteria, maybe, of being perfect or holy or right in the eyes of God. He chose us in that position, in that fallen, wrecked state to pour out His love on us when we were dead in our trespasses. I think oftentimes we were dead and we didn't even know we were dead. We didn't even realize how dead we were. Think oftentimes also that can translate into our marriages, into our relationships, that we realize, man, there are things that I have done that I just feel so unworthy of being loved by someone. But yet, I think that our highest calling is to love like God loved us. Amen? Amen. Because grace loves unconditionally. There's no conditions to the love. It's not, I'll love you if and I'll love you when. You see, our love and acceptance oftentimes can be so fickle when we measure our relationships by the selfish standards of a fallen world. When we measure our relationships by that standard, man, love can be so fickle. It can be so conditional because I'll love you as long as you do this. I'll love you as long as you meet all of my criteria and then I find you acceptable. I know a lot of times people when they stand at the altar and they say, I do, that they're just looking at this wonderful person in this beautiful dress and she's all fixed up and she's got all this makeup on and her hair's fixed and it took all day and she looks amazing and he's got his suit on and he's all clean shaven and got the little, you know, rose thing or whatever he's got. I don't know what those are called, but you know the flower thing that they put on, on you and you wear that thing and you had to get your mother-in-law to put it on you and he looks all nice, he smells good. And it doesn't take long for that beautiful image of that ceremony to change. Where's the hair did? Where's the makeup? Where's the dress? Where's the flower thing? Where's the suit? You need to brush your teeth. You look awful. You smell awful. You came in late. You're not doing what I want you to do. It's not reality anymore because that's my, my reality was this. And, and now my perception has changed. And what do we do in those moments? Because so many people sign the contract and they sign the agreement that I'm going to love you unconditionally. But then when their conditions aren't met, we're challenged to continue to love. But if we understand the grace of God, if we understand the love of God, we're going to continue to love one another where we're at instead of where we want one another to be. Amen? Amen. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make that I have heard many times in counseling sessions is that 
people want to get married in order to try to change someone else, whether it's the woman trying to change the man or whether it's the man trying to change the woman in order to try to become what they think that the other should be. Because I, I love him, but you know, he really needs to work on this and this and this. I can help him with that. I think that I'm slick enough and I, my manipulation skills are good enough that if we get into this agreement together, we're going to fix this. And then it doesn't work out and you're not fixing it and you're scratching your head. What do we need to do to fix this? I know what we need. Kids, that'll fix it. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Let's have a kid. All right, let's have a kid. That didn't fix it. Well, we need another one. Well, we need another job. Well, we need a mortgage. Man, we need, we need a house in that neighborhood. That'll fix it. We, I guess I'll work two jobs. That'll fix it. Because we need more money. Or, 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 or we need to take this big lavish vacation. That'll fix it because then we'll reconnect. We need to take this big expensive vacation. We can't really afford it. Well, that's what credit cards are for. Let's just throw the vacation on the credit card. And then you've got a house you can't afford. You've got vacations of times past that didn't fix the problems, but the bill still comes in the mail every month. You've got multiple jobs. You've got all this stress. You've got children now involved in the situation. And we're wondering, why won't he just change? Why won't she just change? Well, I've done all these things that I thought would make her change because your job is not to make her or him change. I'm just throwing it out there. Your job is not to make him or her change. No more than it is my job as your pastor to make you change. I remember I had a kid in my youth group once in Oklahoma that uh, his father came to me and told me I must be failing as a youth pastor because his kid blew up a toilet with fireworks. <laughs> what are you teaching those kids? You should be doing a better job being a youth pastor to my child because he thought it was okay to go throw Underwater dynamite fireworks into a toilet. Well, sir, I didn't advise your child to do that. Your child did not ask me my opinion on that. Your child chose to do that, and that has nothing to do with me because I can't change your child. You can't change your wife. You can't change your husband. What you can do is love them right where they're at. Maybe you were both unbelievers before you got uh, married. Maybe you weren't Christians. And now one of you came to Christ and the other one doesn't understand why you want to spend your time going to church. Doesn't understand why you want to spend time or, or you're definitely not giving them money. you know. And you have those conversations because it doesn't make sense to them. They don't understand. Maybe they'll come with you to Easter or if there's something special going on or if there's food involved. You can drag them, you know, along, maybe if there's something going on. But they don't really want to be there because they don't understand it. Man, I hope that if I get them there, that that will change. I, I grew up in a, a church and a belief that we just thought that someone needed to have this one experience in order to change them. We were very experiential in our method of trying to manipulate change. And so we thought if we could create experiences in our church services that people would instantly change. And you see testimonies of people having those instantaneous experiences every now and then, and thank God for those things. I, I do. I think that those things are legitimate and real, but I don't think that it happens for most people that way. I don't think that most people have that instantaneous change. 
And if we go about seeking the instantaneous change, then we're going to get frustrated when we have to deal with process. We want everything to happen microwave overnight. We want it to happen just like that. And it doesn't happen when we drag that spouse to church or when we commit to pray for them for a week and we don't see any difference. Or we choose to love them unconditionally and we're not getting that same love back in return within the amount of time that we allotted God to move. And then we just give up on God or we get frustrated at them and it causes tension in our lives. I think where, where, where tension really is is between our reality and our perception of what reality should be. And the further apart those two things are, the greater the tension is in our life, the greater the tension is in our marriage. The less grace that's being given, the less grace that we're receiving. If we understand God's love and God's, God's grace and how unconditional that those things are, we understand that nothing can separate us from His love. That no matter... How, how far we try to get away from him, that he's still going to love us right where we're at. No matter how many hurtful words we may speak to him or about him, he doesn't go, whoa, 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 that's the limit. I don't love you anymore. Where is that limit with God? You remember when one of the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, when, uh, you know, how, how many times should we forgive people? I mean, come on, seven times? It's a pretty good number. And Jesus said, no, I don't say seven times. I say 70 times seven. I say that you, could be, you should continually be pouring out grace. You, could, you should continually be loving people where they're at. That doesn't mean you approve of what they do. That doesn't mean everything they do is okay. It doesn't mean everything they say is okay. But it means that we still love one another unconditionally. I think that if we love one another with conditions, it's what I call if love. It's I'll love you if you look a certain way, dress a certain way, make a certain amount of money, and the list goes on and on and on. And I think our society that would try to dictate normal would say that you need to move on because you're not happy. And God would say, love without conditions because love is a choice. Love is a choice. Something I choose to do. God didn't choose to love us when we were perfect, when we met all His conditions. He loved us before we ever had a chance to love Him. Because God knows the value that he places on you and I because he cares for us. And we can never understand that amount of love. We could try. We, we, we have our own idea of God's love and, and our own idea to try to, to try to explain it. But at the same time, we could never truly understand how he could love us so much. And it's something we're continually growing in. That's why you and I don't have the full capacity to truly understand the depths of the love of God. How high, how deep, how wide. We, we, we don't understand the depths of His love. That's why it's a journey that we grow in this thing. And you and I are called to grow in understanding the love of God. That's why the message of the gospel should get sweeter and sweeter to those of us who are saved. Those of us who know the message and the truth of Jesus Christ. Because the sweeter it gets to us, the more real it gets to us. Then guess what happens? Then we begin to interact and treat others with that same grace and love because we've received it because we understand it as our capacity to understand it grows our capacity to give it grows as well thank God for us having a desire to increase that capacity we need to invest because it's worth it 
Because we know that this is not the end, that we haven't reached the peak of our journey, that our best days aren't behind us. But where I'm at in life now, I I decide, I make the decision, I'm not going to stay here any longer. I want to move forward and grow. I want to invest in my marriage. I want to invest in my relationship with God in order to increase that capacity of grace to give to others. That's what grace does. Grace is willing to invest. Grace is willing to invest because it sees the value. That's why God invested in us. That's why God chose to invest in humanity and invest in that relationship with us because He puts value on us. Are you willing to invest in your marriage? Are you investing in your marriage? Because here's the thing. We can't stay here in a situation where we continue to repeat the same problems, do the same things over and over again, and expect something different to happen. We can't just keep repeating those same behaviors, treating one another the same way, and just hope that she wakes up to it one day and realizes how good of a thing she's got. Or hope that he wakes up to it one day and realizes how good of a thing he's got here. You got a good thing going. At least we're not like so-and-so next door. At least we're not like those people. And we began to somehow quantify the value of our relationship by, con- by comparing it to other people. Instead of saying, no, you know what? Even where we're at now, I'm still going to invest I love what Dave and Kelly said in their video when they talked about building that foundation. And they said, and and we're not through investing. We're not through building. We still want to grow together. We still want to invest together because they see the value of investing. Here's the thing. I, I, I think that we understand investing oftentimes when it comes to money. We don't really wait around to invest until we have the amount of money we want to necessarily invest. I'm going to sit around until I have $100,000 to begin to invest. So until that $100,000 drops in my lap, I'm not going to invest a penny. I'll wait till I get the big, large, one lump sum, and then I'll go, now it's time to invest. I'm going to start saving money when someone gives me $100,000. That's what I'm going to do. And I'll start saving. That doesn't make sense at all. When do you start investing? In the little things. Amen? Amen. And you build. It's a slow build. It's a slow investment. It's doing the little things. It's investing when you realize you have something that is of value, that is going to be worth something. I want to invest here in this area, little by little. And then you'll have opportunities occasionally to do more. And so it'll be a bigger step for you to invest. But more times than not, as you're going on the journey, it's step, 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 and then you see the bigger step. And then you keep step, 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 and then there may be a bigger step. Because you're willing to invest. Because you see the value. Because you see that it's important. It's the little things every single day. I want to give you a few ways that you can invest in your marriage here today. Just a few things that I believe are very biblically grounded that we can all take from this today. Number one is get transparent. One of the ways, the best ways you can invest in your marriage is to get transparent. You need to get real with one another. If there's anyone on this planet that you should be able to be real with, it should be your spouse. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to talk to the men for just a minute. Share your feelings with your wife. Share your feelings with your wife, not just your thoughts. Your wife appreciates your thoughts, 
But she also wants to know how you feel about things. Oftentimes, we don't really know what to say. We just kind of have this duh look on our face. How do you feel about that? Well, I'll tell you what to think. A good idea. Well, yeah, but how do you feel about it? Guys, we need to learn how to communicate where she's at and begin to share how we feel about things. Well, I, 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 feel, I feel really good about this. I feel like this is a good decision for us moving forward. This is something I think that would make us happy or this is something that really actually drags me down. Something that, you know, makes me you know, really upset or I get really angry about this. She wants to know how you feel. And ladies, we, we, we also want you to share your thoughts, not just the way that you feel about everything because oftentimes men don't speak in feelings. Sometimes we do, but not always. More times we're going to think in thoughts. You want it fixed? We'll fix it. You want us to work on something? We'll work on something. You want us to resolve your problem? We'll give you an answer. That's what men do. You come to talk to me, and you come to tell me, I'm automatically thinking, what's the answer? How do we fix this? One of the things that I've learned, and, and now, I'm definitely no expert. I've been married almost 14 years, and I thank God for my relationship with my spouse. But one of the things that I have learned is that sometimes she just wants me to just do what? Listen. Somebody knows a thing or two in here. <laughs> sometimes she just wants you to listen. And, and so sometimes when she comes to me with things, I need to stop, and I need to engage her on her level where she's at, and I need to say, now, are you wanting me to give you an answer? Are we trying to fix something here? You just want me to listen to what you're saying. And then actively listen. Actively listen to what she's saying. Not just, not just tell her how to fix it. Another thing I think we need to do is I think we need to get alone. Amen? Amen. <laughs> get alone. No cell phone. No TV. Just you and your spouse talking? <laughs> It's new, it's hip, all the cool kids are doing it, but you might want to try this talking thing with one another. It might just work. God created us for communication. And I think one of the things that we love to do is we love to be connected and talk to other people. Well, now we have more technology and opportunities to connect and stay plugged in than ever before. And if we're with our spouse, I can multitask. I'm hearing what you're saying while I'm checking my Facebook feed. Could you just hang on a minute while I finish this email? And we're constantly plugged in. I'm just checking the latest scores. I'm just checking how my fantasy league is doing. I just have to respond to this text message. And we're together and we call that alone. That's not alone. You're inviting a bunch of other people to be there with you and your spouse. When you are alone, be alone. Getting alone is huge. Getting away from the kids is amazing. <laughs> we love our children, but we still need to be alone. One of the saddest things that I see people struggle with is when the husband and wife don't know how to communicate with one another and they're not investing in their marriage then they will attach themselves to their children. And they will attach themselves to their children because they're really looking for that relationship from their spouse. And then when their children move out of the house, they haven't talked to one another because their relationship has been wrapped up in their children. And now that their children are out of the house, it's almost like, I don't know you, and I don't really even know if I like you right now. Because I don't even know who you are. 
because my children are no longer in our house. They're no longer here. My wife and I were talking the other day about selling our house. We were thinking about downsizing um, because we got a lot of space, and when you have a lot of space, you have a lot of junk. So, yeah, (laughs) we're trying to declutter. And we're like, man, we got a lot of space. It's almost like there's a room we could fill up with with useless stuff. Let's go to Goodwill, see what we could buy as we make a trip to drop things off. (laughs) And so we were looking at a house, you know, going, maybe we could get a smaller house. That'll solve all our problems, right? But one of the things that I, I said, I said, you know what, I really like our house. Don't really, don't really want to move. Moving's a headache anyways. I said, but I really like the place that we have, and it's so perfect for our kids. And as we were having this conversation, no lie, no joke, as we were having this conversation, like the neighborhood kids come over, and then the kids that live behind us, the other neighborhood kids, they come over too. And then the kid that lives next door, he comes over. All the, at the same time, if almost on cue, and our children are all playing in the living room with all of their neighborhood friends, and we're going... Yeah, maybe we don't need to move. And we began to look at that, and I told my wife this. I said, you know, I said, sometimes I think often we can be so short-sighted when we face problems because we want quick solutions. And I said, you know, this house is probably not going to work for us when it's just you and I. And we're probably going to have our children living with us for probably another 10, 12 years before we give them the boot. (laughs) And... uh, Lovingly, loving boot. So it's, it's a padded boot. It's gentle. But we, we be, just begin to think, you know, our kids are going to be at that age where they're going to be looking to transition out of our home in the next 10 to 12 years. And in the next 10 to 12 years, we're going to be in our mid to, you know, late 40s, somewhere in that period where our kids begin to leave home. And I told my wife, I said, you know, looking at that and, and, and just looking at life and planning and looking at the bigger picture... We've really, at that stage in our lives, only lived, you know, half of our lives. And here we are thinking about changing everything. I said, why don't we put that on hold? Let's let this be what it needs to be for now. Because we still have more life to live after our children are out of the house. Amen. I said, and then we can look at that dream house. And because I bet you the dream house will look a lot different for us when we're in that stage of life than the stage of life we're in now. And so as we look at that, I said, why don't we buy something? If we're, we're wanting to downsize, let's do that at that stage of life. Not, not now, because look at what we have now. And look at the kids that are coming over. And I love, I love it when there's a lot of busyness and chaos in the house. I just love noise. I think it's fantastic. I do. I love, I love noise. I'm, I'm going to back up north to the Abbey uh, this next week, and, uh, and I'm going to be alone and quiet. So I'll, I'll have to get all that out of my system, you know. <laughs> But I think that getting alone and understanding, planning, dreaming, talking about your future, talking about what's going on in one another's life, asking your spouse how their day is going, what all happened today, is there anything that you want to talk to me about, just being open and honest and transparent, being alone, making sure you carve out all those times. And I'm not saying that it's, 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 it's always the easiest to call and get a sitter or whatever or, 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 or turn off the TV or turn off the internet, but make that a priority to invest in your relationship, to make sure that you're doing the little things, that you carve out those little spaces to be able to get alone. It's so important. Next thing is to get spiritual. I think that that's so important for us to pray together, to read God's Word together. Maybe go through a book together. 
If you are wondering uh, if, if there's a, a good book out there, something that we would recommend, just call the office and ask. We've got tons of resources we'd love to put in your hands if you don't have anything like that. Man, I want to help, help you invest in your marriage. I think that praying together is so vitally important. I think that reading the Word of God together and just talking about those things, not just letting it be something that you do on your own, and my wife and I have realized that we need to invest in that area of our marriage more because me as a pastor, I read the Bible and I pray. It's kind of part of the job, you know. I mean, it's part of the job description. But at the same time, I do those things so much on my own as a part of sermon preparation or study or whatever that sometimes we'll neglect to do those things together. But I think that it's worth investing in to take that time out to do those things together. Would you agree? Amen. You're in church. You better agree. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's important. I think it's important. I, I think that one of the one of the neatest things you could do is is find find a book that you could go through together. Um, something that would help just have a conversation about investing in your marriage. And it's not understand this. I, I need to say this because sometimes people think that if I'm working on something, then it must be broken. It's not what I'm saying at all. I think you're doing yourself a great disservice if you look at investing in your marriage that way. Well, we don't need to invest in it because we love each other. We say it at least once a month. We, we, we love each other. We have a good marriage. No, you never stop investing. Amen? Amen? You never stop growing. We can't stay here where we're at, even if it's a good spot. I don't want to stay here forever. I don't want to just sit here and get moldy and stagnant in the state that I am in and then one day realize I'm moldy and stagnant because I thought everything was fine. No, I need to keep moving forward. This journey that you and I are on called life that God has given us, this gift of life is one that where we're supposed to invest, where we're supposed to grow, and our marriage is a crucial key component of us growing and <laughs> investing. So, um, another thing that we can do together is get help. Man, this is a big one. If you're in trouble, get help. Don't pretend. Don't play like everything is fine and everything is okay. Don't dismiss it. If there are struggles and things that you don't know how to deal with, things that you're going through, get help. Man, it would be better to get off of the high horse and let your pride be broken and actually admit, I need some help in this area, than for you to keep cruising along and telling everyone else that everything is fine when it isn't. I think most of the time, People want to put on this happy face and that everything is lovely and everything is perfect. And then when we hear about trouble coming, when we hear about someone struggling or moving out of the house or worst case scenario, divorcing, when we hear about that and someone, someone makes that decision and people will scratch their heads and say, what? I never saw that coming. Because people won't open up and be real and transparent. Folks, it's time that if we're in trouble in any area, no matter how big or small, that you have someone you can talk to, someone that you can go to for help. That's why we're here as a church family, to be able to create those types of relationships where people who are further along in their journey than you are, that you can connect and, and you can ask those people questions. Hey, how did you do this? How did you work through that? Have you ever done this or have you ever felt this way before or this is what I'm struggling with could you give me some advice in this area and we should always be seeking godly counsel remember what we read in the first psalm last week 
where it says, blessed is the man who, who, who looks for that godly counsel, that doesn't seek after ungodly counsel, that doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. It says actually people that will seek godly counsel, that will seek the word of God, that will grow in those things and be available and willing to ask for help. It says those people are actually going to be a, like a tree that are planted by a river of water that are going to produce fruit in that season. Not people who seek ungodly counsel, not people who just stay stagnant, not people who just sit in the seat of the critic, not people who just sit in the seat of the scornful, but those that look for that wisdom. So get help. And the last thing, get intimate. And I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about intimacy. There's a difference between intimacy and sex. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Getting intimate. Touching, holding hands, man. I mean, touching one another. One of the biggest things that I'm trying to invest in in my marriage, my wife just wants me to touch her sometimes. She said, just, just touch me. She said, when you put your hand on my shoulder, she said, oh, she said, it just makes me just feel so loved in that moment. She said, when, when you just put your arm around me, it's the little things. It's not these big, giant things that make those special moments in relationship. It's, it's all the little things along the journey so that's an area that i've been working on in my marriage because sometimes like i'll try to you know get my wife's attention i'll be like hey 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 i'm just trying to get her attention she'll be like oh oh i thought you were gonna like touch me like because you love me what do you want you know (laughs) i see you were just trying to get my attention instead of i thought you were being sweet she said why don't you just be sweet sometimes just rub my shoulder or just you know put your arm around me not just hey hey so that's an area that I'm trying to do better in in my marriage. Because intimacy goes beyond the bedroom. Intimacy goes beyond those areas in our life. Intimacy is in all the little things. So spend that time together. Those are just five ways that I just wanted to throw out there that I believe that if you focus on those areas that you intentionally invest in, that you will see dividends from the investment. Here's the other thing that grace enables us to do, though, as we move forward growing in grace in our marriage, is that grace enables us to be patient. Because just because you have a list that Pastor gave you on Sunday morning and you try some of those things out and they don't work immediately and the other person doesn't return or respond with this type of love or acceptance or whatever you're looking for as a response, you get frustrated and you want to throw your hands up in the air. No, true grace is patience. Amen? A lot of times we pray for patience and we know how we get patient, don't we? God will help you develop that patience. You don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden, wow, thank you God for that answer prayer. I'm incredibly patient at this moment. It doesn't matter what anyone's doing. This is amazing. Yes, I don't mind if there's a, a, a line 20 carts long at the grocery store. I will stand here and be happy. This is the greatest experience of my life. I don't mind traffic at all. This is fantastic. (laughs) You see, grace enables me to be patient because I'm more concerned about giving value to the other person than I am seeking after my own desires being met. I'm going, how can I give? How can I serve? How can I love unconditionally in this moment? And when I focus on that other person and giving them love and giving them grace, God begins to work on my heart to develop patience in me. You see, when you think about the grace that God has given you through Jesus Christ, our heart grows to receive and give that same grace. That's why the message of the gospel should never get old to us. 
The message of the gospel should never get old to us because we're growing in grace, we're growing in patience, we're growing in love, we're growing in mercy, we're growing in forgiveness. It changes our heart. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the message of the cross. That's the power of what Jesus Christ came to this earth to do. And if he is that foundation and he's the core and we keep growing in our understanding and our capacity of understanding those things, then we're going to be able to give those things to our spouse. We need to look for ways to show grace to our spouse every single day. It's not just one thing that we do. It's not just one moment. It's something we do every day. Before we go, I want to read this passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Paul wrote to that church in Ephesus telling them, we need to be imitators of God as dear children. We need to walk in love, the kind of love that Christ loved us where he gave himself for us, where he gave himself as an offering, as a sacrifice to God, we need to be willing to show others that kind of love. We need to be imitators of God and love one another with that kind of love and ask God to help us in those moments where we don't want to love that way, to be reminded of the gospel and be reminded of the great price that was paid for us on the hill of Calvary, to be reminded of while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. To be willing to walk with someone as our spouse, as our mate, as the person that we have, 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 have connected with in the most deepest and intimate way more than we will with any other human being on this planet and choose to love them as Christ loved us. Later on, Paul goes on to share probably the passage of Scripture that gets used in probably every marriage seminar, every marriage teaching, every marriage book, and that's Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about wives submitting to their husbands, and talks about husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church, talking about this mutual love and respect for one another, talking about how this actually plays out in the marriage. And I would encourage you this week, go through that. Go through Ephesians chapter 5 together. If you don't know where to start, go through Ephesians 5. Just read it together and talk about it. Have healthy conversation through Ephesians chapter 5. Allow the Word of God to penetrate even the hardest areas of your heart and be willing to submit what you have been doing and what you have been believing for the truth of God's Word. God, I want your truth to define the way that I treat my spouse, not the way I feel in this moment, not this feeling of aggravation or frustration. Because when we feel good, we'll treat our spouse good. When we feel bad, we treat our spouse bad. I need something that's going to go deeper than the way I feel. Amen? Because I don't always feel nice. <laughs> Me as your pastor, I don't always feel nice. I don't always feel loving. What do I do in those moments? How do, re how do I react in those moments? Because I need to choose to love, not just love when I feel like loving. Amen? Amen. God wants us to grow together. He wants us to grow deeper because He doesn't want us to stay 
stagnant. He doesn't want us to stay in a place where our relationships will get stale, where we don't think we need to invest anymore, or where we think our greatest days are behind us, or we don't know how to communicate or interact. We need to take a step forward because we can't stay here anymore because God wants us to have the type of marriage that's going to show the world the love, the truth, and the grace of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a testimony to your children. It's going to be a testimony to your other family members. It's going to be a testimony to the body of Christ. It's going to be a testimony to the world. Amen? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.